You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hello, everyone. This is Cindy Pena with the NCQA communications team. Welcome to Inside Healthcare. Chances are you know someone who has struggled with alcoholism. Now consider this. Most adults who drink excessively are not dependent on alcohol. They misuse it, and that puts their health at risk. Excessive use of alcohol causes an estimated 88,000 deaths each year and is associated with chronic illnesses like heart disease, stroke, birth defects, violence, and accidental injuries. Clearly, alcohol misuse is a troubling public health issue. Yet in many medical exam rooms, the possibility the patient is misusing alcohol is not addressed often enough. With support from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA, NCQA introduced a measure for alcohol screening into HEDIS last year. Then, with additional funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, and SAMHSA, we developed a learning collaborative of health plans to work on implementing this measure. The Unhealthy Alcohol Use Screening and Follow-Up Measure, which we will refer to as ASF, is part of the Healthcare Effectiveness Data Information Set, or HEDIS and is the first measure to evaluate unhealthy alcohol use screening and follow-up care for adults in the general health plan population. So what does this mean and why is it so important? With us to help understand all of it are Patricia Santora, PhD, Public Health Analyst and SAMHSA Task Lead on the Alcohol Learning Collaborative with the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. We also have Leela McKnight-Ely, PhD, licensed clinical psychologist and epidemiologist, and CDC task lead on the Alcohol Learning Collaborative with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And finally, we have Junjing Liu, research scientist with NCQA. Welcome everyone. We're gonna start with some background. And the first question really is basic. What is alcohol misuse and is this really an epidemic? Leela, I'm gonna turn to you to start us off with the answer to this question. Hi, thanks, Cindy. So, alcohol misuse, um, also called risky or excessive drinking, is definitely a significant public health problem. About a third of U.S. adults drinks too much or misuses alcohol. And as you indicated, this leads to about 88,000 deaths per year and $249 billion in economic costs annually. Excessive alcohol use is considered one of the leading causes of preventable death in the U.S., like one of the top five. So when I'm talking about excessive alcohol use or misuse, you may be wondering, you know, what pattern of consumption uh, is she referring to? So excessive alcohol use includes binge drinking. And binge drinking is generally defined as about four more drinks on an occasion for a woman, an occasion is about two or three hours, or five or more drinks on an occasion for a man. This level of consumption generally brings a person's blood alcohol concentration level to a 0.08% um, or higher, which is the definition of uh, intoxicated. Excessive alcohol use also includes heavy drinking in the course of a week, which is more than eight drinks a week for a woman, uh, 15 for a man. Any alcohol used by individuals under the age of 21, which is the minimum legal drinking age in all states, and any alcohol consumption by pregnant women. So a lot of people misuse alcohol including binge drinking, and there are a number of related health impacts, including unintentional injuries such as motor vehicle crashes, birth defects, and developmental disabilities like fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. 
HIV and sexually transmitted infections, liver cirrhosis, various cancers, including breast and colon cancer, and chronic diseases like blood, high blood pressure. And about one in six U.S. adults binge drinks about four times a month, which means that they consume about seven drinks per binge or 17 billion total binge drinks consumed by adults annually. Binge drinking is common among younger adults, 18 to 34, but more than half of total binge drinks are consumed by those ages 35 and older. As Leela had indicated, you know, um, data from SAMHSA and the CDC indicate that as many as 25 to 30 percent of American adults drink in ways that, that really put them at risk. Uh, and, and we know that uh, just the size of the problem, we know that more than 38 million American adults binge drink uh, an average of four times a month, which is really significant. And uh, as Leela had mentioned earlier, risky drinking uh, that results in intoxication does carry uh, immediate risks like uh, motor vehicle crashes, drownings, and falls. But then there are also the long-term risks too, and they're related primarily uh, the adverse to the adverse medical consequences related to excessive drinking, the hypertension, cardiovascular disease, liver disease, and, uh, and a variety of different cancers. So this is a, a very uh, important topic for both CDC and SAMHSA, and we are both partnering together to promote alcohol screening and follow-up. Obviously, this is very important to NCQA. We're all about measuring. And uh, Junjing, if you could please kind of, um, you know, wrap up the answer to this question about why we wanted to have a measure for alcohol use to begin with. Sure. So, as Lila and Pat mentioned, that um, alcohol misuse is uh, prevalent in the United States, and we had not have a national quality measures on unhealthy alcohol use screening and follow-up. So we saw that this is a gap in performance measurement. So with support uh, from SAMHSA, NCQA tested the unhealthy alcohol use screening and follow-up measure two years ago with four health plans. The results demonstrated gaps in care, meaning that the rates of screening and follow-up were low. So that's consistent with uh, other study findings. So with that, we introduced the measure into HEDAS last year. So that's the first measure we have at house plan level that's going to be reported by commercial Medicaid and Medicare house plans. So this year, uh, with joint funding from SAMHSA and the CDC, we convened a learning collaborative to increase the reporting of the measure as well as to improve screening and follow-up care. It's our hope that the measure will drive uh, improvement. So what are SAMHSA and CDC's roles in all of this work? Pat, you want to start us off? Sure, um, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, we tried to give a thumbnail sketch of the scope of this public health problem. And because of that, given the scope of this problem, the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force recommends that all adults in primary care settings be screened for risky drinking. And so alcohol screening and brief intervention is effective in reducing this risky drinking. And it starts with a validated set of screening questions to identify patients' drinking patterns. And then the brief intervention is a short conversation with patients who are drinking too much. 
So SAMHSA and CDC's efforts are aligned with the Preventive Services Task Force recommendations, and both of our agencies are actively engaged in providing technical assistance to healthcare providers and health plans on how to implement the alcohol screening and brief intervention measure for risky alcohol use. Um, as I'm sure Leela will elaborate, both SAMHSA and CDC have had large portfolios of grantees who have been trained to implement the alcohol screening and brief intervention measure. Uh, SAMHSA's expert um, portfolio of grantees, uh, that was initiated back in 2002, and these grantees have trained hundreds of healthcare providers to screen for unhealthy alcohol use. And if the screen is positive, then they know how to provide effective brief interventions. But I think the, the, the significant point that SAMHSA would like to emphasize is that when someone is diagnosed with an alcohol use disorder, it is important to understand that people recover when they receive appropriate treatment. CDC and SAMHSA are partnering together because we both know, as had indicated, that alcohol screening and brief intervention works. It is effective at reducing excessive alcohol use in adults. And the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force has recommended it for all adults in primary care, as Pat indicated, including pregnant women, since 2004. There was another recommendation that was done in 2013. And there's decades of research that supports alcohol screening or brief intervention as an effective way to reduce excessive alcohol use in adults. The CDC Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Prevention Team has been working to implement the implementation of evidence-based clinical preventive services like alcohol screening or brief intervention or brief follow-up since the late 90s with the goal of reducing excessive or risky drinking in adults because, as I indicated, it works and it's cost-effective, this HEDIS measure will allow CDC to work towards meeting the larger goals of promoting alcohol screening and brief intervention implementation in healthcare that the agency has prioritized for quite some time. Why is a measure for unhealthy alcohol use screening and follow-up really necessary? Pat? The screening for unhealthy alcohol use and follow-up is necessary because we know that alcohol use disorders are increasing and, and warrant uh, focused attention. And I just wanted to cite one key example to drive this point home. Last month in uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association, uh, they published the results of the Global Burden of Disease Study. And it reported, this particular study reports trends in the burden of disease, injuries, and risk factors across the U.S. at the state level for nearly 30 years, from 1930, uh, excuse me, from 1990 to 2016. And this analysis focused on many pertinent health outcomes, including mortality rates, life expectancy, years of life lost due to premature mortality, and years lived with disability. This particular report has documented notable trends, and one of the most significant findings regarding alcohol use was that age-standardized death rates due to alcohol increased by 18% during this time period. It reported that key groups would be women, older adults, racial and ethnic minorities, 
and socially economic, economically disadvantaged persons, these are the groups with the greatest, greatest increase in high-risk drinking and alcohol use disorder. So why is this data important? These data from the global burden of disease are being used to inform national health priorities for clinical care and emphasize the need for all adults to be screened for unhealthy alcohol use, as we alluded to earlier. So the new alcohol measure in HEDIS addresses alcohol misuse and prevention and can help clinicians guide individuals through evidence-based disease prevention and early intervention efforts. And so I can, uh, speaking for, for both SAMHSA and, and also for CDC, this is a wonderful opportunity uh, for, for the two of our agencies to partner with NCQA uh, to, to see how health plans can better serve their adult patients and promote, uh, promote their health through using the HEDIS measure. So as uh, Pat and I indicated, about a third of adults drink too much. However, only about 4% of U.S. adults are what we would call dependent upon alcohol. Those folks, it is incredibly important that they receive treatment either by the provider who is seeing them at the time, if that provider is able to provide that treatment, or that those people be referred to effective treatments so that they, their alcohol use disorder can be treated. However, there's also about 25% of U.S. adults who drink too much who are not dependent upon alcohol. And their use is also a significant cause of morbidity and mortality in the U.S., a significant portion of that 88,000 deaths that I talk to you about every year. So it's important that those patients also have a conversation with their provider and that that conversation take into account the patient's health conditions and their health concerns, the patient's age, other factors that can in, impact their um, overall health, particularly if the patient is drinking. Despite significant evidence that alcohol screening or brief intervention works, I mean, there's decades of evidence to suggest this work, it works, and a recommendation since 2004 from the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, CDC data from 2011 indicated that only one in six U.S. adults reported ever having a conversation with their health care provider about alcohol. CDC data from 2014 indicates that only one in three U.S. adults is screened for binge drinking in a way that would help their provider to understand that they are drinking too much. And of those binge drinkers who were screened, only about 18.1% were advised to reduce or quit their drinking. This really represents a missed opportunity to address excessive alcohol use, which as we indicated is one of the leading preventable causes of morbidity and mortality in the U.S. And so CDC and SAMHSA want to partner together because we believe that this measure will allow providers and health plans to address misuse in U.S. adults as alcohol misuse impacts their overall health as well as chronic conditions, birth defects, injuries, and violence. This measure can also help to ensure that providers are screening patients in the suggested manner, which does not just focus on independence but includes it and also understands the patient's patterns of overall alcohol consumption. What we're talking about here is a conversation between a, a clinician and a patient. So, Junjing, how will this measure work in a medical office setting? 
That's a great question. So we think that um, people who work in a, a medical office setting, they can do the unhealthy alcohol use screening and a brief intervention. The physicians, medical assistants, nurses, and the receptionist, they are all uh, able to do the screening part. Uh, we require standardized screening tools in the measure. So if somebody was screened positive, then the medical staff can follow up with brief intervention to advise the patients to drink less and come up with strategies to cope with their drinking uh, challenges. We talked earlier about HEDIS. HEDIS is the Healthcare Effectiveness Data and Information Set, and it's a tool created by NCQA that is used by most health plans to measure performance on these important dimensions of care and service, including alcohol screening and follow-up care. That's a new measure. So, um, Junjing, can you just start by ask, answering the question is, what do we hope to achieve by adding this particular measure to HEDIS? We believe that in general, measurement drives quality improvement. Measurement has been critical for improving care for chronic conditions such as diabetes and cardiovascular diseases. We hope this alcohol screening and follow-up measure also drive quality improvement. So we introduced the measure, as you said, last year, and we will see results in July in a month when health plans submit the data to NCQA as part of their health plan accreditation by NCQA. This will be the baseline performance of health plans in this country. We hope to see increase in alcohol screening and follow-up care over time. So we hope with this measure, healthcare systems will pay more attention to unhealthy alcohol use care. And Pat, I know SAMHSA was, uh, was part of the early on development of this new measure. Yeah, yes, we were. And, you know, it, now that the unhealthy alcohol use screening and follow-up measure is included in HEDIS, it's really important to highlight that, that it's the first measure to evaluate unhealthy alcohol use screening and follow-up care for adults and the general health plan population. And it's also one of the first HEDIS measures to be reported using electronic clinical data. And so from SAMHSA's point of view, what's, what's really important to us is that uh, the alcohol HEDIS measure will facilitate the kinds of discussions between clinicians and patients that can essentially be a starting point for individuals to find appropriate treatment and, and get into recovery. We hope that this measure increases alcohol screening and re-follow-up so that it's done in a systematic manner among plans that participate and utilize the measure. The measure specifications ensure that it is done in a manner that is consistent with the recommendations of the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force. So this measure allows us to better understand and the providers to understand if patients are drinking too much because they would be using a validated measure like the alcohol use screening, alcohol use disorders identification test, the latest version, and receiving brief counseling if they screen positive and then appropriately addressed in care or referred to treatment if they have indications of dependence. So now we have a learning collaborative where we are bringing health plans together to 
understand best practices. Junjing, the basic question here is what is a learning collaborative? So a learning collaborative is a systematic approach to process improvement based on the Institute for Healthcare Improvement Breakthrough Series Collaborative Model. So during the collaborative, health plans test and implement changes, and they will measure the impact of those changes. They will share their experiences with other health plans in the learning collaborative to accelerate learning and broaden implementation of promising practices. We have four health plans participating in the learning collaborative. The learning collaborative has two main goals. The first is to improve the use of electronic data to report the measure. As Pat mentioned, this has been a challenge for health plans to leverage electronic data for efficient measure reporting because the screening tools and the screening results, positive or negative, are not captured by traditional claims codes. The second goal is to increase unhealthy alcohol use screening and follow-up rate. Uh, we have processes and summaries of best practices that serve as a resource for health plans to try um, implementation strategies to help them improve. Pat? Yeah, and the, the one point I wanted to make about the learning collaborative is that it really is a method to support improvements in healthcare quality and value by trying to accelerate the overall diffusion and implementation of the innovation. And a quality improvement collaborative, such as the alcohol heatist measure, strives to improve care delivery and health outcomes for individuals with unhealthy alcohol use or unhealthy alcohol use disorder. I think for all of us, uh, this larger goal of ensuring that alcohol screening or re-intervention or re-follow-up is a routine part of healthcare, this type of measure can do that. And the learning collaborative enables us to better understand for the, for the health plans to work together to better understand how to implement the measure using the electronic uh, clinical data reporting system and also to increase rates of alcohol screening and follow-up and to learn best practices to do so. I think with these health plans, we're enabled to really be kind of on the front lines and on the ground of this work and, and where we need to be to ensure that it becomes a standard of care. And how do we think this learning collaborative is going to improve the ASF measure? Uh, I will start with our approaches we're using in the learning collaborative. Um, so we will use the Institute for Healthcare Improvement's quality improvement model to improve the measure reporting and performance. Health plans in the learning collaborative will develop aims, what they hope to achieve through this work. They will make changes in their workflows and data capture, for instance. And then they will conduct the tests of changes using the rapid cycle improvement. Health plans will submit measured data to NCQA several times throughout the project to monitor progress to see if their change strategies are working. Through this process, the learning collaborative will generate new ideas and strategies of change when plans share successes and lessons learned with each other. We developed a draft change package that summarizes proven and promising quality improvement strategies for unhealthy alcohol use care. We we'll disseminated the final change package at the end of the project 
to help more healthcare systems to improve electronic data access and screening and follow-up care. The, the quality improvement activities for the ASF measure will really help to identify and resolve many of the challenges in its implementation in primary care. And these activities are designed to improve rates of alcohol screening for unhealthy alcohol use. And if the screen is, is positive, also improve rates of effective brief interventions to reduce risky alcohol use and improve health outcomes. That's the main goal. This measure allows us to have a standardized approach to implementing alcohol screening or brief intervention and ensuring that it's implemented as recommended by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, which means that all adults in primary care have the opportunity to have a conversation with their provider where they are screened, they can, a paper measure can be used, but they are screened for excessive alcohol use. And if they drink too much, there is a conversation at least between patient and provider to determine uh, next steps. The quality improvement approach will allow uh, health plan representatives and health plans to better understand how to implement this measure in uh, the current day setting of the electronic clinical data system and help all of us to learn how to better improve alcohol screening and brief intervention implementation as, recommend, as recommended and to increase it. So I think that for all of us, this is really a win-win because it will allow us to better work at having alcohol screening or brief intervention be a standard part of primary care. Well, that's a great positive note to end this conversation. Uh, thanks to all of you for uh, taking part in this conversation. Thanks to Chen Jing here with us from NCQA. Thanks to Pat Santora from SAMHSA and to Leela McKnight Ely from the CDC. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us, most especially for all your work in this area. If you are interested in learning more about the Collaborative's webpage, go on to the NCQA website, ncqa.org. If you're interested in learning more about the Collaborative, you can contact our team at alcohollearningcollaborative at ncqa.org, because we are recruiting more members for the Learning Collaborative. For now, I'm Cindy Pena for Inside Healthcare. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.